Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Janisha Brown. This morning's reading is from Genesis, the 19th chapter, verses 1 through 16. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was, there, was sitting there, and he saw them. He stood up and, to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My Lord, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guest for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh, no, they replied. We'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted. So at last they, they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. So Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone, for they are my guests and are under my protection. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider, and now he's acting like our judge. We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged toward Lot to break down the door. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house, so they, so they gave trying to get inside. Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city, they asked? Get them out of this place, your sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else, for we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, quick, get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters and who are here. Get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and um, we are going to devote um, a couple of sermons to one of what I would describe as the big three, right? Um, sex, power, and money. Um, And with that said, I want you to know um, this is not an exhaustive look at this biblically. Um, Exploring um, sex and sexuality is is not like jumping into a pool. It's like taking a dip in an ocean, right? An ocean of currents on the topic of sexuality, different strokes, different folks, right? Which, based on my training and personality, frustrates me. I want to do a home run. Right? I want a cleanup hit. I want to leave nothing and no one stranded on base. Um, and it's just not possible. And so I sent in a letter those, um, to those who, on our mailing list. Um, in these uh, couple of weeks of sermons, I will not deal with sexual orientation or gender uh, identity or dysphoria, uh, though these are subjects that. We as a church are already re-engaging at the leadership level. We want to be able to 
healthily, right, and, and be well-rounded and gospel care-centered in our approach to it. And I just feel like as a sermon is not always the best way to deal with every topic in this category. So I want you to kind of keep your eyes uh, open for upcoming discussions and learning communities and so many other things that I think uh, would be best in dealing with the full breadth of um, what I think needs to be dealt with in this topic. But today, like I said, we'll take a dip on a very familiar shore um, to some, even if you've never studied the Bible, we're going to be looking at Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And it is popular partly because it is a text that's responsible for many shipwrecked faiths, right? Many sermons on fire and brimstone, God taking care of all the sinners. Yes, this is a text where that wording comes from. And it has driven us crashing, if you will, into the rocks of self-righteousness, fundamentalism, fear-driven behavioral change morality, but not necessarily Jesus, not necessarily Christianity, not necessarily biblical Christianity. So I hope um, you will see in this ocean and currents of sexuality, a, a buoy, a life raft, a way and place of freedom, of hope, and of healing. And um, I just, no, I'm not going to talk about that. So <laughs> we all live here, though, don't we? We've all suffered here. We all fight to stay alive here your pastor included. My story, oh my gosh. I'm 50 years old. I don't, I've not ever seen a long time of sexual freedom or purity or all this kind of stuff people say happens in your life. It's always been a struggle. But even you believers and Christians with a promised land and a Lord in sight. We live there, and we say we're just visiting. <laughs> it's this city in a city, a place in our homes. It's a place in our hearts. It's a place in the corners of our lives, in our motivations, some of us in our closets. It's a city around a city, consuming it and saturating our communities with its help, its ministry, it offers us comfort and security, warmth, shelter, a rest stop in loneliness. The city's idol king, its lord, its main resource is sexuality. An idol in our world and hearts that will promise to give and have everything you want for that emptiness you feel. It will be what you need to get by and keep you going, but will drain you. It is bigger than you, right? It is irresistibly a part of you and your world. It's sexuality in a place that I will metaphorically call as Sodom and Gomorrah, sex city. It is a continuing spirit and idol of God given for human flourishing and his glory sexuality become an unhealthy, emotionally, mentally, and sometimes physically and traumatic, dangerous place for our sexuality. And for our scripture reading, Sodom and Gomorrah is that place. 
and we are its lot. Stopping just short, living just short of the promised land. So yes, Lot's uncle Abraham, let's call him righteous Abe, has God on his side. But Lot kind of does his own thing. He can see the city's potential while Uncle Abe, he, he ain't seen the promised land yet. And Lot, thinking himself an honest citizen, becomes a slave and victim of the city's lust and perversity. And for Lot and us, there are three things or, or, or warnings uh, for the idol of sexuality that has transformed our own nation into a modern-day sex city. First, the idol of sexuality will seek and will find us. Secondly, the idol of sexuality, it thrives on isolation. And I'm going to add this because we Americans, and individualism. <laughs> and finally, the idol of sexuality will overpower your righteous resolve. Lot is a pretty decent man, according to Sodom and Gomorrah standards. The Bible says he's at the city gates. means he's an upstanding citizen of sorts. And, and like a good man, he invites, as was the custom in a time with no hotels, he invites strangers to stay the night. And he gets them in, and there is this knock at the door, a mobbing noise outside, and a little less than half of the city, young and old, the Bible says, are at his door, and they have this request. Bring the guests out that we saw go into your house. We want to have sex with them. Word has gotten out in the city that Lot had some new and real potential staying with him. They found Lot's weakness, his insecurity. He wants to be a righteous host, he wants to be righteous. He doesn't want to be humiliated in his inability to help them. And so his guests become his new place that he's trying to protect, a place of insecurity, a place of weakness. What, what this teaches us is that regardless of where and how we think we live, like Lot, the idol of sexuality will seek and find us as weak in our weaknesses. Whether it's man or woman or machine or fantasy, all kinds of sexual relationships, pornography, sexual miseducation, abuses and voyeurism, I'm going to let y'all fill in the rest of the blanks. And it's right there and offered and, and it's forced upon us by friends and family, even those who love us. Sometimes it finds us in our ignorance. We don't even know what it is. We have to figure it out for ourselves, right? And you know what it does? It finds our thing. It finds our fetish, our leaning, our empty place, our dark place, our void place, our protected places. You didn't know you might have those places until it says we want that and we want this from you. Finds you and knocks on the door of loneliness. It knocks on the door of, I didn't feel so attractive. It knocks on the door of wanting to be in power and control after probably being wrongly manipulated your, all your lives. It knocks on the door of physical issues in your body, imbalanced hormones, 
things you didn't control, things you were born with. It comes to the doors of your marital relationships. You know, your husband doesn't give that romantic feeling. And man, those books, man, just take you away to real love-making romance. I've heard this. Boy, it was so much more intense and fun when we were dating. What happened when we got married, right? Sometimes it comes to the door in a deceptive form, posing as a friend. You know, we just friends, right? being at a conference and this man was talking about a relationship that he fell into, if you will, or was wooed into by a pastor. And he said, you know, I didn't grow up with my dad ever hugging me. And he says, my pastor embraced me. He didn't know he had ill intent. And he says, you know what? That man's arms felt good. He smelled good. He gave me security. He didn't know he was about to enter an abusive relationship. My wife, was. we were talking last night. See, here's the problem. When you hang out with the pastor... Like we have a little community group. When you hang out with the pastor the day before, everyone's afraid they're going to make the sermon the next day. <laughs> so when we left, you know, uh, it was sort of like, hey, don't talk about this at the sermon tomorrow. Because we ended up talking about sex and sexuality in our community group. I was like, oh, boy, y'all gave me some good stuff for tomorrow. But I remember Kelly, yesterday she said she doesn't know a woman who has not suffered some sort of sexual trauma. Is that the word you use, trauma? Or uh, in, 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 in some form, and I know there's different intensities of it. Unwanted looks, advances, things thrown on a TV screen, right? And men, you too. I remember reading a book by um, Dr. Bell Hooks, and um, she said that much sexual abuse happens when young boys hang out in places like barbershops or hang out with other men and they talk about their sexual conquerings. And for a young kid, it, 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 it twists, it, it, it breaks them. And these young boys are just there with their uncle, with their dad, wanting to hang out with the older men in the community. It finds you, Right? Some of you experienced that dude, right? Acting like, hey, you know, I'm just like your big brother, right? Maybe it was you were on a sports site and, you know, all kind of stuff pop up on a sports site. Or in family silence or ignorance or malice. Mom and dad, we didn't talk about that. I went into my wedding night completely blind. I didn't know myself. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know that my husband may have been affected by this or that. I didn't know how to deal with the trauma. I, it was all secret. It was all private. And boom, I'm married. 
You were a child and innocent, and they took advantage of you. And, and when I was growing up, we got cable. We didn't know. Right? Back in the day. I'm going to tell you all some secrets. Right? Well, little boys. Well, I, I can't just say that. That's so wrong. Young children. You know, back in the day, you could put the cable box on a certain channel, and, you know, like the Playboy channel was coming in then. Y'all don't know about that. That's real old school. It wasn't the internet, right? And the lines would be squiggly, but you could still see three quarters of the screen. And then we used to have the vertical and horizontal hold. And I, I used to, <clears throat> did you? Yes. Mom and daddy didn't know. It was a thing to have cable, right? Somebody left their magazines out. Somebody left the tapes out. It was the babysitter. Social media stuff. I'm not getting into them. Just letting you know. You know, again, your goody two-shoes parents told you it was nasty and wrong to feel what you were feeling. Instead of discussing what you were feeling... Mom and daddy never talked to you about it. It was taboo. And now in college, it's a whole new world has opened up. The church, I can talk all day on this. We don't talk about it. We're afraid. So we're not educating the discipling each other or our kids on this. The world is. I mean, it was asked last night, like, how does the church feel about sex therapists? Oh, my gosh, right? What about people who really can educate us on our bodies, how they're supposed to work? We, we don't do that. We don't know. So, I, you know, think about this. For most of us in the room, who taught you? How do you know? And it leaves voids, y'all. Neglect, right? Not saying anything is not nothing. Yeah, I use a double negative. Y'all get the point. It's not nothing. Not being taught is a weakness. And what happens is the idol of sexuality, you know, and and the the weird thinking and and, and twisted views of who you are and how it works and how it should feel and what should be going on. It comes in and it says, wow, there's an empty space there that nobody educated anybody in. Some of y'all are latchkey kids. Man, the stories with latchkey kids. Some of, y'all are, some of us just need relief from our busy and straight-laced corporate lives. You just need to blow off some steam, right? And that unhealthy, insecured offer and invasion of human-created sexuality is pervasive, right? It hunts, it finds, it fits, it fills, it comes to the right it comes right to the door of your life and it finds and it smells and it senses hunger and emptiness and it sees the fertile soil of our own brokenness, brokenness and unmet desires. And so having found Lot, back to our text, and his weakness of his guests, his sense of hospitality, his wanting to be in Sodom, the Bible says that Lot goes out to ward it off, to reason with the mob. Can you see him? 
He's standing outside of his door with this mob in front demanding to do what should not be done. I don't know whether the problem with this situation is as obvious to you as it was to me when I read this, but Lot is alone against half the city. And these dudes is thirsty. They hungry. He is right where and what the mob wants. He is exactly what they want. One man, one ignorant foreigner, one silly tourist far away from home about to get his wallet snatched out of his loose back pocket, and the mob seems to find strength in the fact that this one man is there between what they want and he is protecting, and what we see is that this sexuality that we see in our country, it thrives on you and me being alone in it. Battling alone. Look at what they say here in verse 9. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider, and now he's acting like our judge. We'll treat you worse than those other men. And they lunged towards Lot to break down the door. This stuff's strong. And you ain't. Right? And you know what's funny? It loves the strong. I'm at the door of my heart and my life. It's my body. I can do and handle it. I'm grown, autonomous. It's not that bad. I can handle it sort of person. I got my own sexuality under control. It's about me, myself, and I. This is private. And we've talked about autonomy and voyeurism, the sermon series, and this fits right in, right? The idle sexuality more often than not finds you and feeds on you while alone and in the dark with your own sense of morality and means and your own little plans of surviving. Who taught you how to survive it? We are all trying to protect what is precious to us, our sense of worth, our fears and hungers, but it's behind the door, right, with us between it and and destruction, right? Let me tell you what it looks like and feels like before you get your door knocked down by the idle mob of spirit and spirit of sexuality. Feels like a lot. I don't want them to know what's on the inside. I'm protecting. Maybe I don't want to be embarrassed. Maybe I don't want to be humiliated. Maybe I don't want to know my sexual history because then I'll be relegated as nasty or broken or rejected, found to be not the most righteous. I fear rejection, unable to follow through on the promises and persona that I've set up. It's too much. I don't want to see it myself. I got to move on from this. I can't deal with it. It's it's too damaging to me. I must take personal action against these things. And most of us, we just stuff it in, right? We just put it away and we stand in front of it and we don't let anybody in, including the Lord, right? And and, 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 and I don't want to mess up my reputation or or, or how I am able to live in this fake feeling about myself. I don't want to admit that I cannot be good little righteous man or woman I thought I could be. I am weak and unable. I can't admit that this is happening to me or that this happened to me or I was stupid enough to go on a date with this person or I was dumb enough to be in the wrong place at the wrong time or that I don't want my parents to look bad. Man, I had a good childhood. I don't want to complain. All this stuff. 
And man, we play a part. I just said the church, we leave you alone in this area more than any other area. Unless, and I'm not talking, remember, I'm not getting into this the sermon, right? Unless it's some kind of, you know, especially among right-wing evangelical churches, and that, that's our denomination, y'all, right? Like, th- th- then we want to go after LGBT, IAQ, plus, right? We want to go after now. Ooh, we want to get involved now. But we haven't been involved all along. Until we think it's going to hurt our values. It's tearing at the fabric of American values. You've created a pretty weak fabric. You've created a flammable fabric. And then you set fire to it in the way you care for it. I've, I feel to blame as a pastor. I'm so ashamed of my own sexual brokenness. I don't want to talk to y'all. I feel so unvictorious in my own marriage in this area. I've been married 25 years almost. (laughs) And I still ain't got it right in that area. I don't want y'all to know that. Dang, I just told you. (laughs) I might have to tell you that. And I've left you alone. And you and I, I I, I don't mind saying we've been saying for years, don't do it. Stop being evil. Stop sleeping around. Stop watching porn. But what if we do these things? I can answer some of those questions. What would Jesus do? Right? Wear the purity ring. Wear the WJD bracelet. I don't mind giving you those things. There's no power in that. You're still alone. You're alone in your self-righteousness. And you and I, with a mob of sexuality at our doors, live believing some faulty things. Let me just say, I know some of these things because I've done and I do them. You are the only one who can understand your complex sexual situation. My stuff's complex. If I let it out, ain't nobody going to be able to help me. Fear of your wife and friends reject you. We, we say and think stuff like, all right, I screwed up this time, but boy, I feel so much more confident about saying no the next time. I got this, right? These feelings are embarrassing and demeaning. I won't talk about this. You know, everybody, though I've talked to nobody about it, is going through this, so I am not so bad that anybody has to really know. I've determined I'm not bad, right? I shared, and last time I got humiliated and abused, they put the scarlet letter on me. If y'all don't know what that is, start reading. (laughs) Ain't that Nathaniel Hawthorne? Ain't that? Scarlet letter? Read that in high school. Okay? I'm smart. (laughs) Just kidding. You, You are the only one. Why are you the only one between you and your TV or internet? Why are you the only one in relationship with that person? 
dealing in that relationship, you are the only voice you hear or the other voices are in stereo with yours, right? In harmony with your own. You really feel like you've done a pretty good job managing without it, getting out or getting in. My sexual temptation struggles and hurts and pains and scars are in the safe room of my heart. I'm the only one with the combination and I can manage it. And alone, found by the mob, Lot can't hold back the sheer power and diversity of the crowd. And he breaks. And look at what he says in verse 6 or 8. Because that's what happens when you're alone. It says this. So Lot stepped outside the door to talk to them. Reason. Shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers. Brothers. Don't you like that one? They call him some foreigner who don't belong here. Please, my brothers. He begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, y'all ready for this? Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you. And you can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone, for they are my guests and are under my protection. Huh? I'm righteous. I don't want my gas hurt, but you can have my two daughters. Because they just women. They're my property. I don't mind paying ahead on this. I don't mind taking a hit. Because these daughters gonna, could possibly bring me some wealth one day, especially as virgin daughters. Let me, let, let me just pay the price and you move on with them. What we see from this is it'll overpower our righteous resolve. What am I saying? Like Lot, it will break and have break and has broken us alone. It will it'll make us succumb somewhere and, and somehow somebody else is going to pay the price, even if it's you. I'm not, I, instead of giving it to the Lord or getting help or realizing I can't do it, what I'll do is I'll let it have me right? Or, or just a little bit of me. I'll just let that part of me rot off and die. I'll, I'll let my future husband or wife deal with it. I'll make my kids deal with it. I'll whatever. I'll, I'll just let it go, right? And, 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 and some here, somehow, let me tell you what happens. We will begin to sacrifice things to that idol. You're not really handling it. You're sacrificing something, it demands it. We, we commit to not doing the real bad things. You know, we're pretty good. We're pretty pure in our dating relationship. What y'all do? Everything but. So that ain't bad. Right? I've heard that. Well, what, what can we do? Whenever someone says, what can we do? <laughs> Are you trying to set up your own righteousness? What, what's up with that? Well, you know, we didn't have that kind of sex, so we good. Huh? It's the Victoria's Secrets catalog, not the hardcore stuff. Right? It's the, I, I, I like reading the stories, not looking at the pictures. See, I'm old, y'all. I'm talking about the magazines. <laughs> I'm sorry. Online, I just like reading the stories, right? I, I, I like the music. Okay, j just a little making out as far as we can go, but not real sex. Let me throw love in there. If I say we love each other, that makes it palatable and a strong defense against anyone who comes to shame me. It was love, y'all. You know, sincere and committed, so you understand. 
Now we sacrifice what the true definition of love is. Now you sacrifice the true definition of what intimacy is. You know, I was thinking about it this morning, and I had this thought that, you, you know, love, sex in its pleasure is a means, A, not V. The pleasure of sex is a means to an end. It is not the end to itself. It's almost like getting in your car and rooming the engine and wasting gas and not going anywhere. Some of us have never left the garage or front door in our sexuality. You're just burning donuts. You ain't going nowhere. And so we say, I don't mind wasting gas. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Just rooming the engine, not actually going anywhere that God intends for us to go. You've never been there. Man, you've been married as long as I have and more, and you've never been on a real trip to intimacy. Okay. Let's only do it at work. I'll do it at work, never at home. It's a medical problem. It's human. I know who I sacrifice. You can have God. Man, I've done this a lot. I've... Because I'm a Christian, right? So I, I'm a pastor. I know how to use God, right? See, God, he ain't, he ain't done enough to really make it. He ain't given me enough power, and he, he left me out here. And so it's his fault for sexual brokenness in our heart it is to resist. Where's God? Forget it. If he won't heal me, if he won't do it, I'm just going to give in. We sacrifice the Lord. We sacrifice the faith. I know, it's Cardi B's fault. (laughs) Megan's. It's Kardashian's fault. Who? Okay, you know all of them, don't you? Yeah, I told you. I told you. We have good discipleship talks. Sorry, Derek. Yeah, we, we can blame them. We can sacrifice them. Ready? Lot did it, and I think it's a more direct thing. And this is a whole sermon unto itself. It's those women. It's how they dress. It's how they look. You shouldn't be going out the house looking like that. You shouldn't come to church looking like that. You looking like you want it. Some of you have, have, have been sacrificed in that way so many times that some of you women are afraid of looking like God intended for you to look. We had this talk last night, and it really was convicting. Whose fault is it it, that a man can't meet one-on-one with a woman? It's always the woman's fault, most times, because, you know, she might end up liking me. Why? Why is that rule in place? I understand the rule. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But maybe it's you. 
man. Maybe it's you. You got the problem. I can't go nowhere no more with all this. What they be wearing out there. I mean, blah, 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 blah. You the problem. You know, they, what's the Bible say? I made a covenant with not your clothes, my eyes. My eyes, not your clothes. Right? But we sacrifice women all the time. Because they're pretty. Some of you, sort of different subject, but I hate that women don't get the same consideration and care because of the fear of their sexuality, the fear of their beauty, the fear that they may cause something to go wrong, and the exploitation it's not just on the pornographic side. There's a real social justice side. And it's sexually based. Some of y'all decided I'm just going to look frumpy. That's oppressive. It's sacrificing to this idol. You don't have to look bad. And I know some of that's traumatically based. Somebody violated you, and you found yourself in these sort of violating relationships over and over, and the reason was, girl, you look so good, or blah, 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 or look at that, or look at this. And you felt you were to blame. But you simply were thrown out as a sacrifice for someone's sexual brokenness. Now you hate yourself. <sighs> Moving on. <clears throat> Some of us think we're already ruined. You know, I just remember in college when I went to this, I don't know whose campus ministry it was. I went to a lot of them when I first got to Clemson. And y'all ever been to the one where they passed the two flowers around the room? Y'all, this guy was talking about sexual purity, and he had two roses. And roses not, didn't represent the men, of course, but the men were in the room. And he said, I'm going to pass two roses around the room. One of the roses just sniff. The other one take a butt off, Right? And so eventually it comes back and there's a rose without any buds and there's a rose with all its buds. And he says, women, which one do you want to be? And men, which one would you want? What if you came in the room already to one with no buds in your own thinking? What if all the full one with all the stuff was really a silk fake rose, Right? Covering up stuff. Like, that's not the point here. That's abusive. That's wrong. That's sacrificing somebody's sexual brokenness for your own purity. 
And I just saw the girl. I mean, the girl, they were girls back then. Then there, just some weeping. And I don't think it was weeping like, oh, man, I've, you know, I want to repent. No, it was, it was shame. We're not doing that rose thing. Because we got, the Bible says we all the rose that's twisted and broken, and, and Jesus chose that one. He never chose the one with all the buds. And if you had all the buds, Jesus goes about and he piles them all and your self-righteous off. Let me just say this. I'm going to move quickly here. Your, your little sacrifices won't stop it. Your little self-righteous acts won't stop it. You blaming women won't stop it. You blaming mom and dad. See, I brought up mom and dad, leaving porn around or whatever, or not talking. It, it, it won't fix it. Oh, it's the church's fault. No, it, I won't fix it either. It will not stop. We need help. We need a lot. We need what Lot needed and got. Mercy. God's grace. We need some real power against the pervasive and potent mob. Lot didn't know what we who read this passage before this one may have known about his visitors. The ones he was trying to stop from getting uh, uh, violated, they were angels sent by God to help Lot. Not for Lot to try to protect the Bible says that as Lot was standing in front of the mob alone, giving in, making allowances, appeasing to it, offering his daughters, that the two men grabbed him and snatched him in and blinded the sex mob so that they could no longer find the door and led Lot and his family out of the city because the city, Sodom, was going to be destroyed. And look at what it says in verse 16, our last verse of the reading today. It says here, I'm going to start in verse 15. No, no, 16 is fine. When Lot, listen to this, y'all. When Lot still hesitated, there's a mob who wants to take your daughters, who want to take your friends. The Bible says Lot hesitated, which means if the, if the angels weren't there, Lot would have been right back in. How many times have I been in the same position? I thought I could do it on my own. I thought I could do it if I just was shamed enough. I thought I could do it with enough behavioral modification, right? If I was good enough, if I read enough books, if I got enough information, it always comes back to hesitation, which leads back to temptation, right? He says, okay, when Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand. And the hands of his wife, I love the family covenantal image here, right? Please get my boys. Please get my wife because I'm hesitating. Thank God for God. Thank God the way he works, right? He grabs the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful. mercy. Strong hand grabbing grace saved Lot. Not Lot's righteousness. Hear the good news for us. The Lord has sent help 
for the metaphorical sex city to where and how we struggle sexually. And it comes like these messengers to bring a message and means to not just snatch and deliver us and guide us into freedom, but grab us by the hand as we're hesitating and when we won't and can't and, and we're powerless and reluctant and slow and moving. God saved Lot because God was with Lot and did not leave Lot to the city. The help God has sent us today in this age is seen in the message and direction that he gives us in the scripture like you experience today, right? In the fellowship of the church. Like I said, we need to begin to move toward to have friends and family counseling and accountability. I think we, we talked about this a little bit last night. I thought, wow, you know what? The, we, as men we need and women, we need a sex re-education. And we need to go all in. We need to talk about how things work. We need to talk about how they don't work. We need to talk about why and where and when and the goals and the means and the brokenness. Oh, yeah, we need to have an all-out sex re-education ministry. <laughs> Accountability, the sacraments, all those things give great spiritual strength. They're like the hand of God, Right? Prayer, to cry out, to help. And all these things God gives to exactly what these angels communicated to God. You need God's mercy and forgiveness. You need God's help that you can't get for yourself. You need to know that we are sinners in a sex city world and says to us, you can't fix, protect, or settle your problem. You can't heal all the ways you were violated and hurt. And guess what? You may never be completely healed until he comes back, right? What do you do with that? I love the hesitation piece because guess what? God holds people who hesitate. That's the gospel. Did you know that? This ain't about God staying with people who good. If he stayed with people who's good, I'm not a Christian. Because I ain't good. You can't run from it, behave good enough, have enough sex, not have enough sex, or be good to not let it get to your children or wife or, or job. It, it, we, like Lot, need a snatching and guiding mercy and help. Now, only if good advice was enough. I mean, like, I could definitely, in most places, this is how the sermon ends, right? You need to just go to church more. We need to talk it out and have a conference. You need to read this book. That's not the power. That's a means, but it's not the power. Hear this. Here's the second part of the gospel. We are definitely residents, appeasers, victims, and victimizers of sex city. Of the idle mob of sex, sexuality, we are damaged goods. We're molested and marred and mixed up and confused by its sheer power and pervasiveness. But God has sent an advocate to the city. God has sent help. Here's craziness. To somehow show us how to get out. Do you see the difference? This wasn't like, Lot, go that way, all right? Go down the street, turn a corner, avoid these folk. You can do it. Now run, son, right? Because Lot would have ran right back. He doesn't give us a bunch of do's and don'ts. That's not Christianity. There's definitely some guidance for engagement and right relationship with God and each other. But there are more than do's and don'ts. 
and put, again, put this purity ring on, or it's nasty, or it's a perverse, or itself, or just say no, or just wear protection. He has come into our world. He has come to our condition. He has come into Sex City. But not just as a guest. Now, the story does not go as deep and intricate as the whole story of the Bible tells us about Jesus. But I will tell you what the sequel of Jesus' life and death tells us about the meaning of this ancient prequel. You see, God did not come to point the finger of condemnation, even though you may have experienced that in a lot of churches and a lot of places in your lives. He didn't come to heap shame on you. Look at what you did. Look at the Bible. That ain't you. Right? He didn't, that's, not, that's not what he came to do. He didn't come to add more trauma on top of your trauma. I've already been traumatized. Go to church. You're, you're evil, right? He didn't come to bring more trauma on top of trauma. And that is the story for many of us in our view of God. No, he, Jesus, came to Sex City to be with you and me, a guest, and moved us out of the way. Now hear this. And he received the full molestation. He received the complete marring and embarrassment and demoralizing of sexual sin that we experience or was due us. Jesus was the sacrifice that God threw out that door, and he was humiliated for us in this particular area. So if you've experienced sexual sin and you've experienced sexual violence or trauma or neglect and all these things, guess who experienced it for you? The Lord Jesus did. God treated him, not because he was evil or a bad God, but Jesus became that latchkey kid. Father turned his face on him. He experienced neglect. When he did that, just like that flash of light stopped the mob. When we're hidden in Christ, we're hidden to the power and destiny that sexual brokenness has for us. We are now wrapped up and hidden in the resurrection love and power of Jesus Christ. No longer does your sexual addictions or brokenness or history have to define you. He becomes a sacrifice for the evil and sin that demands our souls and body. Instead of Lot's daughters, the Bible says God sent Jesus outside the door. And now we can walk with the Lord hand in hand hesitating as we go with our families. You know, my greatest fear is the next generation, my boy is going to go through the same thing or worse. He's dragging it all, y'all. That we can walk with the Lord. Now, let me explain something to you. Let me make this very clear. Because of the whole ex-gay stuff, again, I'm not talking about that, but... This sort of, you know, you, you don't have to be gay anymore because of this, right? 
and it caused all kinds of issues. What this is promising is that God's going to take you by the hand and on a journey with him. We're going to walk in hesitation and struggle. We've actually got to walk through it. But we'll be hand in hand with God's grace. We'll be hidden in him and the brightness of his love will shield us. We going to leave here after hearing all this? We going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to hesitate. I'm going to pull away. You know what Scripture says? I think you know, a different version of that says is that they snatched Lot. You know what Jesus tells when he's praying about his disciples? He says, none of them will be able to be snatched out of my hand. You can hesitate as much as you want. Nothing can separate you or snatch you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not your hesitations, not your doubts, not stuff showing up again. Oh no, right? Not failing after not doing it for a long time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we ask that you would continue to not just snatch us and, and hold us, that nothing else can snatch us from your care. But hold our hand, precious Lord. Lead us on. Let us stand. Lord, we are weak. We're tired. We're broken. But Lord, we can say, take our hand. And thank you for taking our hand. Precious and holy Lord. Because you will lead us home. Lord, I do pray right now because it is true that sometimes talking about this, it dredges up all kinds of trauma and abuse. I do pray for wisdom for the leaders and friends and families in this church, Lord, as things are dredged up. Give us grace. Give us the words to say. Don't, Lord, temper our tongues. Help our looks. Help our eyes not to look condemning. Help our feelings like we don't know what to do. We're not equipped. Lord, help us to take a risk of faith to trust you. Pray for our children. Pray for young people. Seems impossible. <laughs> Seems like they already prisoners of sex city. And we busy trying to help set them free but we have shackles on ourselves. 
precious Lord, as you take our hands, let us take the hands of those around us in our community, our friends, our family. You have the power to pull us, generations of us, closer to you. Even if not out, closer to you. Let us know your care. Let us know your grace. Let us know your embrace. Let us know your mercy today as we continue this journey out of the power and effects of Sex City. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.